another call combo. It's Esther here. It's been a while since our last combo, hasn't it? In today's combo, Suze and I will be using my love of Wordle to discuss some aspects of human connection. Our episode has inspired Suze to become a Wordle fan, which makes me very happy. This episode was actually recorded at the start of February. Since then, there has been global and national events that have made many of us feel helpless, hopeless, and deeply despondent with the current state of the world. I acknowledge that a five-letter word guessing game is definitely not the solution to the tragedies unfolding before us right now. However, it has still been something small that has still brought about a sense of joy and anticipation during the day. Our hope is that you will also look for small ways to connect with those around you, find ways to listen before speaking, and most of all, imagine others complexly. Esther, how are you going? Hi, Suze. I am good. How has your week been? It's been pretty good. I was out um, in community last week doing um, the COVID search response. So we were just out doing um, rat tests and um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. And I got back on Monday um, and then I worked from home on Tuesday. So it was a nice chill week. And then I'm out again next week. So yeah, it's been good. How about your week? Yeah, it's uh, also been busy. I've started black cat placements in hospital. So currently I'm doing my placements in ED, which has been really hectic, but also really good. I'm really enjoying being able to have more hands-on experience and see patients at a much higher acuity level than I have with my other placements. I think it's a good one to do when you're in your final year of medicine because it's really testing all of my knowledge and making sure that I apply everything that I've learnt over the last few years. And it's also scary to think that I'm going to be finishing medicine in a couple of more months and they're going to let me Mm. loose in the hospital as a real doctor. Yeah, it'll just be you in the... um ED, you don't have anyone to go to. (laughs) Just me. I'm going to hold down the fort. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Although, I don't know, Suze, is that what it kind of feels like with your COVID surge response in the NT? Um, That I'm holding down the fort. Or you and two other people? Well... I don't know. I guess so. Well, I feel like it was actually quite crazy. So we're out in community. It was a decent sized community. So over a thousand people. And there were just the three of us doing um, the COVID testing Um, because there was a clinic there, but they were just busy doing other things and like holding their fort. Um, So yeah, it kind of COVID was running wild. Like one third of the population had COVID. So in the end, like we're just like this is not a fort we can hold (laughs) so we ended up changing tactics instead of just like testing the close contacts and everyone we were just testing the symptomatic people Mm. because people that we were testing were kind of just going out anyway even though they were positive or close contacts so it just didn't work really very well um yeah so I don't think I felt stressed or felt like we had to hold the fort um we were kind of just there doing what we could given the situation um yeah (laughs) yeah 
And this is the first time that you've been around so much of the COVID response, I think, because you, you've mm. narrowly missed out on more than one lockdown with living in Queensland and then <laughs> the Northern Territory. And yeah, yeah, I think this is the first time I remember you saying that you've been quite on the front lines of the whole COVID response. Mm. Yeah, so it's quite funny because the first time we saw the rat come up with two lines, all of us were like, oh my gosh, it's a positive, what do we do? And then after a while, we're like, oh, okay, everyone's positive. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been interesting actually being in a place where there is COVID. Even here in Darwin, um, it's not as crazy as out in community, but like, I think the percentage now is similar to down south in New South Wales and Victoria. So um, when I, like a few months ago, or maybe even a few weeks ago, when you came back up from down south, you had to get rat tested. But now they've changed the rules. So when you come back to um, the Northern Territory from interstate, you don't have to get tested anymore because you're just as likely to get COVID here as you are to get it down south. Mm. Um so, yeah, it's interesting because, like, our daily case numbers are, like, 1,000, um, whereas in Melbourne they were having, like, 25,000 or, like, some crazy number. So it doesn't feel very real here, even though it's, like, the same amount of COVID as down south, but it's just because it's such a small population. Um, so 1,000 sounds very, like, oh, that doesn't sound too worrying. <laughs> I've heard bigger numbers before. Um, yeah, but just making sure that I'm still keeping safe. Um, and I think it's good in um, the Northern Territory because, like, there's a lot more space and so everyone's more spread out. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I think in terms of coming in contact with more COVID, I've also had a similar experience being in ED. So I think last mm. year a lot of our placements were not – in places where there were high numbers of COVID positive cases. So I didn't have mm. any placements in ICU or ED last year. But this year coming into ED, you have yeah lots of people testing positive on rats or PCRs. Um, and we have designated parts of the hospital where all the COVID cases are. And yeah, I think while it's a thing that's constantly in the back of my mind and you're wanting to stay safe, I think the, the conversation around COVID has changed and the perception around getting COVID has also changed. And I think I've mm. been reflecting on this, Suze, um, in terms of the conversation topics I have with people and um, what we talk about and how I connect with others. I mean, we've just spent the first, I know, five, six minutes of this pod talking about <laughs> COVID. But I think in, in reality, a lot of my conversations with my colleagues aren't actually about covid anymore mm. like we'll maybe talk about it here and there but most of it isn't around that which is a big shift from what I've connected with people over the last two years how would you say that you've now been connecting with your um the people around you well Sue, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today <laughs> so I've jumped on this bandwagon and this has been something I think that has really taken the world by storm since January of this year. And no, it's not another infectious disease, although it's infectious in different <laughs> ways, I think. Mm. So I've joined the Wordle bandwagon. 
have you heard of Wordle Sues? And have you also um, been infected by this? <laughs> I've heard of it. Um, and I've tried playing it twice. I don't know if I've been playing it right or, yeah, I just wasn't really sure what I was doing. Um, but Ben has been sending some of his Wordle results, I guess. I don't know what it's called in our family group chat. And he's oh, the only right. one. None of us send it back. <laughs> But yeah, I think I just don't really know what, what's going on. <laughs> okay. Well, to explain, I guess for you, and maybe also some of our other listeners who may not be playing Wordle regularly. So Wordle is this online platform. It's a website where there is a five-letter word every day. And you get six tries to guess this five-letter word. And with each one of your guesses, the online like webpage will tell you whether you guessed a correct letter and whether the mm -hmm. letter is in the correct spot. So when, when you see people sharing their results with yellows and greens, um, yeah, it's just telling you how many tries they had and with each mm. guess, how many they got letters in the correct place or yeah, just guess the right letter. Anyway. Right. It's become very addicted for me, um, one, because there's a competitive aspect. I want to guess the mm -hmm. word in the lowest number of guesses, but also um, competing with other people. So I've got a few friends who have also begun to really love doing Wordle daily. Mm -hmm. And we have this group chat called the Wanda Wordles. And <laughs> um, that's been really good. And the reason why I was reflecting on this is because I think over the last two years, a lot of conversations, small talk you have with people is about COVID or something that's not super, I don't know, exciting, a bit of a downer. But with Wordle, mm -hmm. the seemingly small thing and probably like in reality, not that significant. Um, it's been such a fun thing to to bring people together. I think in a group mm -hmm. chat, when you share your results with people, there's a little bit of banter, there's a little bit of competitiveness, but often that leads to conversations about our day and leads to talk about maybe something we've seen on placement, maybe how someone's work is going, a cute photo of a dog, a new cafe that we visited, or just conversation with other people and I found that talking about Wordle sharing these Wordle results has been a really lovely way to have connection with other people nice do you feel like it's more of just a conversation starter or is it like an actual part of the conversation Ooh, I think if I were to split it 20% of the conversations actually about Wordle and say the word. Wow, getting that's a to decent the word. amount. <laughs> well, sometimes <laughs> the words are really tricky and you need to vent about it with someone. Um, or, you, <laughs> or you really beat yourself up going, oh, that's a word I should have known and it took me five goes to guess it instead of, I don't know, mm. three. Um, and then so maybe 20% is that. And then another 80% of it is using that as a conversation starter that launches into talking about other things um yeah and it's I think I've appreciated it because some people that I was really close with last year I don't get to see them every day anymore and mm. 
this has been a good way to still have regular conversation and connection with them. Um, yeah, so it seems like something small, but I think it's something I've been really reflecting over the last week and just how much of a benefit it's been for my own well-being um, and mental health as well, um, being able to connect with people um, even on a minute level. Mm. That's cool. It sounds very wholesome. Um, and I was just thinking about like how it compares to um, Among Us, which was the previous um, trend, um, previous COVID trend, I guess, that people were on board with. And That's I feel like true. with Wordle, it sounds a lot more like everyone has the sim- a similar goal. You're like working towards the same thing and then you get yeah. to see everyone's little journey of how they got to um, the end goal and obviously everyone wants to get the same thing but everyone gets there a little bit differently yeah, yeah. I don't know <laughs> that's true it's a shared purpose and a shared goal and you're so right it is a different journey because you know everyone guesses different words or starts off differently have a different strategy about going um, about the same thing but the end point is the same that's pretty yeah. cool um, how, how about you, Suze? I know that maybe Wordle is not the thing that's bring you together with other people, um, but how have you been connecting with people and finding ways to, to connect deeper with others, either physically around you or like friends and family mm. who might not be people you see every day? Mm. Hmm. I don't know if I have like a certain thing that's been working well for me I guess because it's been like like it's just the situations are always constantly changing so I was in Melbourne um, like a month ago now and that was obviously really nice because I got to see a lot of old friends and close friends in real life and just catch up with them which I don't normally do online um, and then now that I'm back um, yeah, just seeing my Darwin friends again has been good fun and also making some new friends. Um, and then like, yeah, reconnecting with um, people that I was catching up with a few months ago before um, the the start of the, yeah, the new year. Um, and just like going out for meals together. Or I think going back to Melbourne, I've realized how nice it is to catch up with people one-on-one. Um, which I wasn't really doing in Darwin, I guess, because it was like I was new to this place. Um, and I don't know, it just feels weird to like ask people that you see in a group if they want to catch up one on one. I don't know if that's weird. Maybe it just sounds weird in my head. Sounds a bit suspicious. Um, but yeah, I've been able to catch up with some of my Darwin friends one on one since coming back. And I've just found that to be really enjoyable just to get to know them better. I've always felt that. I um, enjoy conversations best and get to know people best in a one-on-one setting because normally in a group, I'm just very happy to sit back and let other people talk. Um, So yeah, I've been enjoying that, just chatting to people a little bit more um, and getting to form some more um, personal friendships, I guess, because it's not just knowing someone in a group setting, but actually knowing them on a one-on-one basis so it feels more personal. It's a different dynamic, isn't it? Because when you mm. see people in a group setting, you're often seeing how they relate to others and relate to you within like a broader context or broader, um, yeah, within a broader context. 
Mm. And I imagine often it's for a specific purpose, right? Like if you're doing something with church or in life group or for some other people, like, or even with work or sporting team. Whereas when, yeah, yeah I think when you connect with people one-on-one, and I think that depends on the setting as well. I found that when I'm connecting with someone at a restaurant and we go out for like dinner or at a cafe, that level of one-on-one connection is different to say if you invited someone into your own home and you made them a meal mm. or you're having tea together. So I guess what I'm saying is I think surroundings <laughs> has also played a big part in how well we can connect with others. Yeah, so I've been reading this book about um... – I'm a bit late to the party about like what's it called um evangelism in a world of skepticism the one that everyone was reading a few years ago by sam chan um and he talks about how like yeah in different settings like you can talk about different things so for example if you're like chatting to someone at a pub or at a bar and you're like both facing one direction um like you're probably not as likely to open up compared to if you're at a cafe where you're like facing each other and Um, you're normally there for a bit longer because you're enjoying an actual meal and then even more so when you've invited someone over to your house and let's say you've cooked for them um, and they can see like yeah maybe your family or just like where you live your life your most personal space that kind of fosters that um, yeah vulnerability and you're more likely to open up as well so hmm. Hmm. when you were talking about eye contact it reminded me of something else which I feel like contradicts the exact point we're trying to make (laughs) so something I found that I do when I need to have a difficult conversation with someone or a slightly vulnerable conversation is (laughs) did you just turn off your camera (laughs) (laughs) go on I won't look at you then (laughs) That wasn't intentional. I actually got a phone call at that time, which switched so off the funny. Facebook <laughs> camera. But um, yeah, like, Ooh, the, must be something serious then, Esther. <laughs> the, the timing was absolutely impeccable. But what I was trying to say <laughs> is, I found that when I need to have a difficult conversation with someone or something's a bit mm. more vulnerable, I'll often yeah. have the conversation in a car like if I need to drive someone somewhere mm. and it's like I guess an appropriate amount of time is I, I feel like I often wouldn't necessarily have the conversation while I'm driving because that can be dangerous but yeah often it'll be like oh, I'll drive them to back home mm. or be in the driveway or something it'll be dark I'm not having eye contact with them <laughs> <laughs> and yeah we'll talk about whatever whatever we needed to talk about um, or whatever I feel shy about talking to them about sometimes it also happens when i'm actually driving because then it's like an excuse like oh i obviously have to focus on the road yeah that's Um, true and i'm telling you about this hard thing that happened in my week i guess that makes sense it's less confrontational when you don't have to face them or like if you're doing another task like not as awkward if you're trying to think about what to say and then the person's staring at you um like there's room more room for silence i guess yeah Mm. that's true maybe it's the silence (laughs) because then there's no awkward silence like if you're driving or you have to make a turn or you're i don't know concentrating on the road like it's not weird to have silence then because you're just focusing on the road and you're driving or if you're walking somewhere 
like you're still moving, you're going towards something. It's not like nothing's mm. happening. But when you're just sitting True. there and someone's <laughs> waiting for you to say something and you're trying to gather your thoughts or gather up the courage to share something with someone and there's mm. no way to hide because they're right there. But also, I think I've heard in the past that it's like different for guys and girls as well and how they connect. So for guys, oh. like if they're gaming or like doing something similar because you can't really see the other person and you're doing something else together, then it's easier to like open up in that space. Whereas for girls, it's like, oh yeah, let's, you know, have a sleepover and a DNM. Um, yeah, so I don't know um, if it's a personality thing. Um. That is a lot of food for thought. I feel like in this small conversation that we've had, I've learned a lot about connection. Mm. Like that there's so many factors that can influence the depth of connection, whether it be the physical location that you're um, interacting with someone else in, um, whether it's in person, whether it's online, what you're doing together, potentially like a shared interest or a hobby. Yeah. And I think along with that, what you were saying with, yeah, like doing something else, I think that's what a lot of therapists use for little kids as well, like the idea of play therapy and mm. how you just play with them and then they will just open up in that space when they're comfortable. So it must be effective for like some sort of human root um, way of communication. <laughs> go. Can they do that for adults as well, Suze? Oh, do they? I don't know. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll suggest play therapy I'll su- for adults. It sounds I'll weird. That <laughs> next time, mm. we're like, um, so can we do play therapy next time? And then the psych will be like, um, sorry, we only do this for children. I'm like, well, <laughs> here are my theories on connection based off a 20 mm. minute podcast with my best mate. <laughs> Listen you to should this listen podcast to this. that yeah. I made earlier. <laughs> it's not peer-reviewed or anything, and I know you've done like 15 years of study to get to this point, but I think we're on to something here. <laughs> I've been watching this documentary um, about like prisoners in like the maximum security prison in Singapore, and oh, it's so okay. interesting because like part of like there've been a few episodes where they would. Um, show the um, prisoners in like a group therapy session and they're all just like yeah sometimes they're just sitting around um, talking to each other and then other times they do different activities like drawing a picture and then using that to like explain um, their emotions or like yeah just having different props so I thought that was quite interesting because sometimes it was like a face-to-face thing whereas other times you're like expressing yourself and communicating using other means besides just like face-to-face communication and words but like drawing a picture and stuff so Mm. yeah I guess there's like lots of different ways that you can um, express yourself and communicate and there isn't like necessarily one right way like Mm. I would say that there are definitely wrong ways to communicate but not just one right pathway (laughs) I'm keen to do another episode on like communication though I feel like that's something that I really enjoy thinking about because it's so it's such a big part of human like life and existence like just communicating with the people around us and it's something that all of us do every day yet um 
it's so easy to not be good at it or like to mm. form unhealthy habits that come with communication. I feel like there's mm. a lot of um, good communication is something that we can definitely learn. It's not just like, a, oh, I was born to communicate this way. There's definitely aspects of that, of how like the way that we've been brought up and things like that. But, but I also really believe that um, good communication is something that can be learned. Um, so yeah, I'm keen to chat more about like what good communication looks like in the future. <laughs> mm, well, you've already given us a teaser, Suze. You told us there's no one right way to communicate, but there are definitely wrong ways. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to learning about what those are from you, Suze. All right, well, I'll catch you in the next call convo, Suze. Sounds good. Enjoy your week.